This is Get a Real Job, the podcast devoted to people who choose risk over safe bets, who pursue their passion against all odds and are doing what they want, how they want, despite people and sometimes the voices in their own heads telling them they're nuts. When the field that I wanted to work in didn't exist, I created it. The only thing you have to decide is how hard you want to work. I really never went into the design of the restaurant of not succeeding. One way or another, I was going to succeed. I'm your host, Dan Bova, editorial director of entrepreneur.com. Thanks for listening. And now, get a real job. Hey, everyone. So if you're like me, at some point in your grade school or high school life, you got really into sneakers and you'd sit there doodling your own designs in your notebook when you were supposed to be paying attention to calculus or history or whatever. Well, today's guest didn't stop with the doodles. Natalie White is the founder of Moolah Kicks, the first high-performance basketball sneaker designed specifically for women, and the company just launched its Neovolt Pro model that will be sold exclusively at Dick's Sporting Goods nationwide. Now, if that's not impressive enough, I'll add that she's done all this at the age of 24. That is incredible. So please welcome the hard-driving Natalie White. Natalie, how are you? Hi, Dan. Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing well. Great, great. So before we get into the how you got to this place and just all the great things that you've done, I was just kind of amazed that this is the first high-performance basketball sneaker for women. I mean, women have been playing basketball for a long time. How did that happen? Well, Moolah Kicks is the first brand built by and for female basketball players, where our focus is on providing the most premium on-court sneakers as possible to elevate the performance of all women's basketball players. And in the past, girls and women, doesn't matter if you're five or in the WNBA, would be playing in sneakers named after NBA players. And where the inside of the shoe was fit and is still fit for the male foot form. And so what that meant is that girls grew up shopping in the kids section for their basketball sneakers, then eventually graduate to the men's section. And all the while they're performing in sneakers that due to the inner fit actually put them at increased risk for injury. So our sneakers, Moolah Kicks, are built differently on the inside, meaning that when female players play in them, they're less at risk for injury. Well, that's that's incredible. And I guess I guess my first question is, how did you arrive at this? Were you a player? Was this something you wanted? Or was it something that you just saw a need for? How did Moolah come together? I grew up playing in New York City. And I played my entire life in children's sneakers. I'm only 5'4", so I never even made it to the men's section, right? <laughs> I, was, I was stuck in the children's section the whole time. And it's actually something you accept as a women's basketball player, which is really interesting. You ex- you come to get so used to your shoes wearing out in the toe, your feet burning on the bottom, your sneakers taking a while to quote unquote break in all of these attributes that aren't, they're not really normal. They're just something that we're conditioned to say, oh, it's okay. You know, your sneakers are always supposed to kill your feet. And when you take Mm. them off, they're always supposed to be steaming. And it's basically the product of getting older and and playing at really high levels and doing so in a sneaker that was 
made for men and really made for kids with lesser materials. And so as I got older, I never really questioned, like everyone else in women's basketball, I never questioned the fact that we're wearing kids and men's sneakers. Mm. You know, girls take pride in saying, oh, I have the newest Kyrie's that I'm playing and newest LeBron's knowing that we're not looking towards that WNBA stage. They're looking towards the NBA and emulating and looking at a dream that isn't really one we can own. And so as I got older, I realized, hey, not only, I didn't realize the performance implication at that point. I just realized the negative social implication of saying, we have the best WNBA players in the world holding up and promoting the fact that they are playing in men's sneakers, Kyrie's, LeBron's, KD's, and teaching the next generation of young female basketball players that they should aspire to be Kyrie, LeBron, and all of these NBA players rather than WNBA. And so when you dive into that issue and you look at the shoes itself, then I uncovered that inner fit that I'm talking about that not only does it have a negative social implication, but it also puts female basketball players at greater risk for injury. Wow. Wow. That, yeah, that, that's, that's incredible. And did you like, all right, so, so you've had this in your head, you're thinking about this. So what's literally like the first step to you actually making this thing a reality? The first step is saying, oh my God, what should we name it? <laughs> right? You said, okay, I have, this great, I have this great idea for a company. What's going to be the name? And I was a senior in college at the time. And I was asking all my friends, here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to do banking after college anymore. I'm going to start a women's sneaker brand. I'm going to start the first women's basketball brand. And here's why. And I go, went to everybody and said, what should we make the name? What should we make the name? And I knew that I wanted to make the name have meaning twofold. One, to showcase the street culture of basketball, which is kind of where I grew up playing, right? In New York City. We have Rucker, Dykeman, Westforth, that incredible street culture that has made women's basketball what it is today. And then on the other hand, I knew we wanted the name to have to do with money because Moolah as a brand being focused only on women's basketball, we actually are creating more financial opportunity for players within the sport. Mm. And so we wanted something twofold, right? And I go out to everybody and say, oh, what should we make the name? And eventually we land on Moolah, which is of course slang for money, balancing both of those things. Right, and from right. there, you know, you form the company, I got a great set of advisors and I started making that inner fit with medical experts, trainers and the like to build the bones of the first sneaker. And did you, were you designing them, the look of them, or did did you bring people in to do that? How did that part come about? The last design process, it's called LAST and that's what's on the inside of every sneaker. And that's what makes our sneakers fit specifically for female basketball players, right? And so in making that last form, I partnered with Jones and Vining, which is one of the top last manufacturers in the world. They happened to be 30 minutes away from Boston College. So I called that Jones and Vining office. I think I called 22 times uh-huh. before they picked up my call. And eventually I was able to make an appointment and go in. And when I was in there, I was sitting in one of the offices and the CEO walks by and comes into the room and goes, who are you? <laughs> because you're so not used to seeing like, what would I be doing in the Jones and Vining office? Right. And so I stood up, I introduced myself. I gave him the whole pitch of what Moolah Kicks is going to be, what we're doing. And his name's Jim Salzano. He has been on board ever since. He's been a very close advisor and he helped us create that first last with experts 
to make sure it has the perfect fit. And then from there, we were able to start the design process, the development process, and then ultimately the production and merchandising process. So now just to go back a little bit to what you were saying about going into banking versus doing this, like, was that just, was there any trepidation of doing that? Or are you just like, oh, you know, if this didn't work out, I could always go back to like corporate life or what, what was your thinking? When I realized how serious the lack of women's basketball sneakers was to me personally, right? Because I grew up playing this game. I sat at every single home game at Boston College, managed the team. I knew, oh my gosh, this is, this is going to be huge. Um, and I think the second that that dawned on me and I said, I can be the one to do this. I can be the one to make the women's basketball, a women's basketball sneaker, women's basketball brand. I didn't hesitate for a second. You know, I, I didn't think about what I wasn't doing. I was just so excited and continue to be so excited for the road ahead of me. Oh, that's awesome. That's fantastic. So let's talk a little bit about uh, making 22 phone calls before they uh, finally return your call. For people who, who've got a great idea or feel like they have a great idea, rejection can, uh, you know, stop people in their tracks. What, what, do, what do you think kept you going and why did you persist with this one company? I almost got excited when people said you're crazy. <laughs> And you do. It's like that has to, it made me so sure that people were missing something because I even talked to people in the footwear industry, executives in the footwear industry early on. And they said, this is the dumbest idea. Do not, you should save your time, save your money. You're going to lose all your money. And it's going to be, you're never going to get on shelves. That was what I heard. You're never going to get on shelves. You're never going to get on shelves. If this were a good idea, Nike would already be doing it. Right. And when people said that, I realized, oh my gosh, no one has ever paid attention to women's basketball. And this is why no one, no one will. And I was like, and this is why I'm going to be able to beat, beat them to the market because people didn't feel like it was worth paying attention to. And what was, what's so great about a niche business, you should say, is that it also doesn't matter if you're not a women's basketball player and you don't like the idea. I love that because it's not for you and it's not about you. And I'm glad you don't like it because we don't care, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and women's basketball players, everyone who was supposed to care, who the brand is for, loved it and couldn't wait for the sneakers to come out. And I think that's really what fueled it is I said, we're not reliant on what random people think. It's all about, does our, does this resonate with our target consumer? What are we doing to make sure that this brand is as reflective of the wants and needs of our target consumer as possible, ignoring and almost getting excited by all of the other perspectives and saying, what a great, what a great showing of why we are going to be able to match the needs of this consumer better. That's, uh, that's awesome. I love that. So speaking of getting on the shelves, by the time this runs, uh, you will be on the shelves at Dick's. Well, first of all, congratulations. That's incredible. Can you, can you uh, tell <laughs> us the, the path to getting from, I've got this great idea and some scientists who are going to help you with it. And now you're sold in like the biggest sports, sporting good retailer on the planet. Yeah. Last year we were in 150 stores with our first model, the Phantom One. And now this year we are in 500 stores with our new sneaker the Neovolt Pro. So it's been 
a really exciting progression from 150 all the way to 500. And those actually released on October 20th. So we're, we're excited to see, continue to see the growth, but getting in for the first 150 stores, the first, that was our first ever production run that got into those stores. And yes, that was incredibly hard, incredibly (laughs) stressful and definitely a lot of logistics. Like I, I think logistics are everything, but you can have great ideas, but you have to be ready to execute. You have to be ready to read a 300 page manual on what EDI compliance is and how to properly organize your freight so that it can be scanned in at the retailers distribution centers and be prepared to put that work that over and work with the people in Vietnam, fly over and make sure that all of your boxes will be compliant so that you can end up getting on shelves. I mean, I think the hardest part of any business is the backend logistics. And that's really the difference between an idea and a business. Well, that's incredible too, because I, I think we live in a world where there's so much that can just be done, like sitting behind a computer and this app, you click this, this service does this, the service does that. But there's some stuff like that, obviously, that there's no there's no button you can press that just, okay, all your sneakers getting made, they're being shipped properly, and everything's good to go. So there, there's a lot of hands-on from what I'm hearing you say. Oh, there's nothing that we can click an app. I mean, if we would lose so much, we don't have the money to do that. We didn't have the money to do that. Everything, it was, I ran the business alone for two years, and then I was able to hire people once we we're able to get into Dick Sporting Goods and get some investors. But for a while, I was alone. So I was doing the PR and the freight and and working with a freelance designer to oversee the design and the development, and then ultimately the production and the financing. And you don't have the resources to be able to say, oh, I'm going to outsource everything. Yeah, You have to say, I'm ready to learn and do it myself. And I think it's still that way, you know, even in the office now, we get charged 15 bucks if we leave any trash that's not paper in our in our bin. So we take I take out the trash every night. <laughs> um, and, and I think it just goes to show, right? You have, you really have to be willing and able to learn and then do whatever needs to be done without question because it's not about what I want, it's about what the business needs. Yeah. Wow, that's that's amazing. So can you remember or uh, like the first time you walked into a sneaker store and saw your sneaker on the shelf? Yeah, the first time I remember the first delivery actually that got on shelves was in Arizona. My cousins and grandma were the first people to ever see the sneakers in store uh. because it arrived in Phoenix before any anywhere on the East Coast. And so I remember FaceTiming my cousin and she was showing me what the sneakers look like on shelf. They were on a display table right in what they call center court on the footwear deck. And to see the assortment of sneakers right front and center where it said Moolah Kicks, hear our story, buy and for female ballers. It felt like a dream come true. And it also just felt like such a a pivotal moment in women's athletics where I told you guys this story of being young and walking into the children's and the men's section and thinking about all of the girls that now get to walk into the store and go to a women's basketball section. Yeah. You know, that didn't exist when I was growing up. And I couldn't be more honored that it's because of Moolah Kicks that now girls have a different experience. That's uh, that's incredible. And I know that you've got some uh, ambassadors lined up. So who 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 have you lined up and what's that experience been like? We just signed Destiny Henderson and Caroline Ducharme. And 
two huge players, their names speak for themselves, but they both actually faced off against each other in the NCAA national championship last year, South Carolina, where Henny had a terrific game against Caroline, who also put up some really good numbers and working with them so far has been terrific because you have top talent choosing to play in Moolah kicks. And it's actually what we've seen across the board. You know, one of the most challenging parts is that there are a lot of colleges that have contracts with big brands, right? That cover every single sport. And so we have a fleet of NIL athletes over 40. And when we see them working out with their trainers, these are top kids from D1 schools. Whenever they have a choice and they're working out outside of their school, we always see them wear moolah kicks that we gifted them and that they're using for their NIL campaigns. So I think it's just been encouraging to see that they're available at retail, but these sneakers are able and ready and built to perform at the highest level. Uh, That's incredible. So you got this awesome vision off the ground. You're out there. The sneakers are for sale. They're in big stores, big name people wearing them. What's next? Turning the wheel, taking out the trash. You know, I think on a high level, it sounds, it's everything sounds glamorous. And we hope to, we want to continue just serving this market the best that we can. I want to see Moolah kicks on every single girls basketball player in the country. And then from an operational standpoint, what that means is more manuals, more reading, (laughs) more doing whatever we have to do to make sure that every girls basketball player in the country is excited and rocking moolah kicks on court. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Natalie, I mean, congratulations. It's incredible the success you've had and really inspiring the the story that led to it. And I mean, I know we're going to be talking about you a lot more in the future. So congrats and continued uh, best of luck. I hope so. Thank you so much. That's our episode, folks. Hope you enjoyed it. Get a Real Job comes out every Tuesday. So be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you harvest your favorite podcasts. Leave us a review. Give us a share. Don't make me beg people. Go to entrepreneur.com for new episodes of this and to listen to our other great podcasts. Thanks. Thanks.